Hello, I'm Brandon Martini, a commercial pilot and flight instructor. And I'm Carson Vasquez. I'm a private pilot. And you're listening to the Aviation Mentors Podcast, sponsored by Stratus Financial. So buckle up, because the Aviation Mentors are taking off. As it's the spooky time of the year, Halloween's close to approaching us, we're going to talk about one of the biggest fears for a student pilot. Ooh. And you know what that is, Carson? That's talking on the radio. <laughs> talking on the radio is way scary for a lot of people. I know it was for me. I'm sure it was for you. So we want to bring that up as our topic for the day. Yeah, I remember the first dozen times I talked on the radio. I had everything I needed to say written down. And as soon as I pressed the transmit button, I just couldn't say it. Uh, it either went out my head. I couldn't read it. Um, I just was too scared to say it. I had the same exact problem when I was a student pilot. I would literally write down everything I was going to say. I even wrote down every single piece of ATIS and my entire new board would be fold, uh, fully filled out uh, within like the first 10 seconds of learning to fly. It was pretty crazy. Yeah, um, th- that notepad was was full every time I went flying. And, you know, you've had the same problem as I have. It's a really common problem. So I'm sure you've helped students like this as a CFI at least 100 times. Um, How would you recommend a student get over that fear? Uh, Practice. They just need to keep on practicing. Uh, That's the only way you're going to get better. You just have to remember that when we talk to somebody in a tower or at a center or uh, in, in an approach sector, they're just humans. They're just talking to us. They're they're just friends, just like you and me, Carson. Uh, they're, they're just people that we're talking to. And when you meet them live in the flesh, they literally look like you and I. And they're just they're normal people. So just remember, you're talking to a person. Uh, they're not here to hound you about how perfect your radio calls are, especially if you're a student pilot. If you're a student pilot, you should be telling them you're probably a student pilot. That'll actually make them be a little more lenient on you in case you do make a mistake. But don't worry about it. Just keep on practicing. You will get better. Now, if you go to a class Bravo or somewhere where it's a very serious area, well, maybe you shouldn't be training in that exact environment. Maybe you should be going somewhere else until you get a little bit better, but just keep practicing. Uh, I would also say download Live ATC. It's an app you can download on your phone and you can listen to air traffic controllers all around the world, I believe around the world, um, especially in the United States. I've only listened to them within the United States. I mostly use it during Oshkosh, to be honest. I want to hear hear all the arrivals and departures and fun stuff like that. Uh, but when I was a student pilot, I had it, and I used it so I can listen to radio calls, and uh, I wanted to find out how people were talking on the radio. And you're going to find out everyone's kind of saying the same exact things back and forth. And when you're listening on the radio, you need to have selective hearing, essentially. You just need to listen for your call sign initially. And as soon as you hear your call sign, you instantly start listening to the radio. And that really is a skill that just takes quite a while to master. And you have to practice it. Yeah, I absolutely agree. I think ultimately it just takes practice um, in all of it. And at some point, you're going to understand that you're almost saying the exact same things every time you go fly. Uh, you say the same things if you're at, a, at an airport, just requesting the taxi, requesting a takeoff. Uh, requesting what you want in the pattern, it just becomes second nature as you say these things over and over. And since you do say the same things over and over, Brandon, what would you say You know, the basic rules of communicating on the radio are? Well, it kind of depends on what phases of flight you're on. Uh, but generally, especially if you're, you're trying to call a tower or ground frequency or something, it's who are you talking to? Who are you? Where am I at? And what do I want? So let's just say I'm, I'm talking to Riverside ground. So I would say Riverside down ground, 
uh, Saratoga12345 at the FBO would like to taxi with information Zulu. So if I'm on the ground, I'm telling them all that information, but if I'm just in the pattern and I'm getting ready to land or something, they just might tell me, Oh, two, they may say Saratoga one, two, three, four, five cleared to land runway two, seven. The only thing I have to say is Saratoga one, two, three, four, five clear to land runway two, seven. So it really depends on, on what phases of flight you are. But there's some things you have to do. And I would say the ground control one is probably the hardest for everybody. Yeah, I agree. Uh, just knowing where I'm at is, is one of the first things. And it's something that always slips my mind um, that I have to say. So it's helpful to write these things down when you say them every time until it becomes second nature. Definitely. And the where you're at thing is actually a big deal. I know I'm, I go to practice areas and people make radio calls on where they're at. And then I look to where they're at and they are nowhere where they say they're at. They could be south of somewhere and they're really north of somewhere or west of somewhere and they're actually east of somewhere. So you really need to have your bearings about you and kind of know the areas that you're in and honestly, know your north, south, east, and west. Um, It sounds very simple, but a lot of people get them confused and mixed up. It just, it is what it is. So make sure that you're telling people exactly where you're at, uh, your altitude, your location, how many miles away. And when you say how many miles away, that's kind of a hard concept to figure out. Over time, you kind of get it. But to be honest, I sometimes think I'm five miles away and I'm actually 10 or vice versa. So I'll use a program like ForeFlight or a GPS on the airplane or something like that to figure out where I'm at. And I encourage people to either use VORs or DME or GPS or whatever you may have to kind of find out where you're at before you start making those radio calls as well. Yeah, and there's one other thing I'd like to mention. Uh, it's keeping it simple. Keeping your radio calls simple and shorter are always better. As long as it has all the you know information condensed in that call, you're not taking up too much space, especially in, in the busier airspaces or when you're talking to approach and departure. And I know that it can be a little bit scary, especially for students that train at, you know, untired airports to talk to people at towered airports and people that talk at uh, untired airports and vice versa. So Brandon, what would you recommend for students training at, at one airport or the other? Well, I personally trained at a towered airport. Uh, so I'm more comfortable with towered airports than I am untowered airports. Actually, nowadays it doesn't matter to me, but uh, when, when I was a student, it, it did matter quite a bit. I was actually really scared of untowered airports because, well, what happens if someone's not talking? And that's a valid fear because that happens quite all the time, actually. Uh, but I think that it's, it's more common for people to have problems at towered airports when they've only flown at untowered airports. Uh, people that typically learn to fly at untowered airports, they necessarily won't make all the exact radio calls because their instructor's trying to teach them how to land an airplane first off. They're really trying to focus on that. So they may not call every turn in the pattern. They may not call crosswind and downwind and base and final and short final and uh, on the go. They might not even call all these things uh, that that you would either do or at least talk about uh, in a towered airport. So I would say the people that are flying at untowered airports, they're going to be a little more nervous to talk on the radios because they're talking to somebody in a tower who makes decisions for them. And it actually makes them so they don't have as much power and control over the situation. And I think that's why most of us become pilots, because we like to have control over a situation. I mean, if we're all honest with ourselves, Uh, otherwise we wouldn't be trying to control an airplane, right? Something that can potentially kill you if you do something wrong, uh, catastrophically wrong, 
at that. So I would say that people have problems in those areas. And the only way to fix that is to go fly at more towered airports and go get practice. And if you get yelled at a couple times, it is what it is. Uh, if you get a phone number from a tower, it's not the end of the world, usually, uh, as long as you don't do something totally stupid. Uh, but if you miss a radio call or something, I mean, it is what it is. And you just learn from those things. Yeah, making mistakes with your radio calls, um, typically not the end of the world. And you might get a little bit of a harsher response from whoever you're talking to, whether it's another pilot, um, you know, in the practice area or a controller in the tower. And I know that when students start flying beyond their home airport, um, like on your cross-country pipe, uh, flight in your student pilot phase, I, I face challenges myself. Uh, what challenges do people, Brandon, typically face uh, talking to these busier controllers like approach and departure? Uh, I would say some of the, the big challenges that people face are they don't know what to say because now they're in a new environment. So they may have gotten used to talking to their their local controller, which is their, their tower controller or ground controller, um, or talking to other pilots in their pattern. But now they need to go talk to an approach controller or a center controller, and they don't know what to say to these people. Uh, and that's what your your flight instructor needs to to help you on, obviously. Uh, but those are those are definitely challenging. And listening for your call sign while you hear thirty or forty other people's call sign on a sixty or seventy mile cross country that gets challenging because your brain isn't programmed yourself programmed it yet to only listen for certain things. You're just, you've listening for everything, just like normal. I mean, uh, the only thing that you may hear is your name. Uh, if somebody yells it in the crowd, uh, you're not going to hear all the other chatter around. Uh, but when you're in an airplane and you've got a headset on, all you hear is the other chatter. You don't necessarily hear a name because you're not used to hearing that name, which is your call sign. So whatever it may be, November one, two, three, four, Bravo, Charlie, or something like that. That's one too many numbers, actually. It wouldn't quite be that long, but you get what I'm saying. Uh, but I do remember uh, my first cross country that I ever did, and it boggled my mind. My instructor told me that I would be physically and mentally exhausted by the time I was done with it. And my first cr cross country was, I think, 55 nautical miles. It had to be over 50, obviously, to qualify as a cross country. And my brain was scattered by the time I got back. I just, I could not think. I didn't know what was going on. I just, I needed to go take a nap. And I don't know if it was something like that for you, Carson. What was your first cross country like in talking to SoCal Approach? Mine was exactly like that, except I had work right after. So I couldn't go take a nap. Uh, <laughs> it was from Riverside to Ramona, back to San Bernardino, then back to Riverside. So it was a three airport cross country and it was exhausting. The, uh, the very first time I got on with SoCal Approach, um, I, I was just so just completely inundated with all the information that was being thrown at me and uh, or just around me. It wasn't even at me yet. And I was worried about trying to find the, the perfect gap, like long enough that I could hop in and talk. And that's when I learned that you can't necessarily wait for a nice long gap. As soon as someone stops talking, you need to take your turn and, and start talking. And I was still in that phase where I was so worried about speaking on the radio um, that I had everything planned out. I had said it to my instructor at least a dozen times uh, before I'd even pressed the button. And I pressed the button and I said, said our tail number. And then I swore right away because everything uh, on the radio, because every, everything had gone straight out my head. Um, he hit my hand right off the, <laughs> off the transmit button and said, don't you dare swear on the radio. Let's try this again. And I, I did it perfectly the second time. And just after that whole flight, it was exhausting. By the way, Carson's very lucky he didn't get in trouble. I, I'm guessing his flight instructor uh, probably hit his hand off at just the right time. 
Um, but that makes sense. I mean, if you get frustrated with yourself, uh, you may be, you may be really hard on yourself and saying a bad word to, to ease your own tensions. Isn't something that, uh, that we adults are not prone to do, uh, to put it uh, in a kind way. So, um, I, I don't doubt that. I mean, everyone's kind of felt the, Oh darn, this really, really is horrible type of uh, moment. And that was probably one of those that you were expecting or didn't expect, but you experienced. So I totally get it. Yeah. I did not expect it to be that difficult. Uh, yeah. So Brandon, I know this was a huge fear of mine for at least 30 hours before I got comfortable with it. And it probably took me at least up to a hundred hours before I, I felt like it was second nature and I didn't have to think as much before I started speaking on the radio. So thank you for the advice you gave. And for everyone listening, Hope you're at least a little more comfortable for your next flight. And I hope you understand that this is pretty much the same advice Brand gave me when I was a student pilot. And it's the advice that made me more confident and comfortable myself. Yeah. By the way, Carson, I can't believe you got comfortable with radios that, that clearly after a hundred hours. I think it took me like 300 to be honest. So um, for that, don't feel bad if it's taking you a long time to feel comfortable with the radios. It could take a really long time. Uh, it, it doesn't necessarily have to come right away. Uh, but it does have to come eventually. And uh, listen to your flight instructor. Go listen to uh, different ATC communications. And uh, there's some great books on, on ATC communications. Go read those too. Uh, if you're curious on what those are, feel free and reach out to us. Um, if you'd like to reach out to either one of us, you can reach out to us on Twitter or Instagram. For me, it's at Mr. Martini Guy. And for Carson, it's at Carson underscore AV17. As wrap up for the day, remember here to guide you in your aviation journey. So fly safe and enjoy the ride. Thanks, guys.